Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. Benji's putting on his thick plastic frame glasses right now. Oh my now. god, for this I am. <laughs> like, like for this I am, and I will admit it. Like, I do hold it back pretty well. Benji is the song of Ice and Fire Hipster. I totally it am. It's so weird, like, because I get angry when people start talking about it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't show it outwardly for a while. But you know the thing, the Rage of Thrones thing that says, I read the fucking book! Let's move yeah. on to our final fantasy character. <laughs> no pun not, intended. Not our final fantasy character. No, final our final fantasy character, fantasy character. is uh, Drizzt Duarden. And of course, like everyone else, I thought it was Drizzt for a long time. Of course. Of course, <laughs> everyone thinks that. How could you not? Even though not? in like one of the first books, Salvatore actually like makes fun of people who pronounce it drizzit. Yeah. yeah. Right? He, there's some reference he's like, where some he meets some humans because he's, he's an elf and he hangs out He's like grows up in this, in this elf city. And then eventually like he makes it to, to the human civilization and the humans are like, so your name is Drizzit? And he's like, no, it's not Drizzit, it's Drizzt. Yeah, idiot. God. Idiot. I don't understand. God. I'm a dark elf. Man. God. I'm like <laughs> the original god. I was literally born with Without light. And with dark skin. Yeah, yeah, he's such a god. You know, Drizzt... He's, he's got a giant black panther. <laughs> That's true. He's a total god. True. You know, I, my fr- one of my friends in high school, he I, I turned him on to some of the R.A. Salvatore books, um, and uh, with the Drizzt or R.A. Salvatore books, and he would always make the he always make the jokes about, well, like, the, the phrases that R.A. Salvatore would repeat, and he's so right. And he said, one of them he said that he was repeated was 600 pounds of panther. That's what he would say <laughs> all the time. And, 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 uh, what's it called? And he wielded, I, what do you say about, it? I just meant a mighty Aegis fan or Fang or whatever the name of his Warhammer was. Right, right. But they, they would say that. They'd also talk about Driss. It probably should uh, be pronounced Aegis. Yeah, or Aegis. Right, Aegis? Well, it's a Greek word. It's the. Is it Greek or Latin? It's the shield yeah. that Athena had that, well, you know, basically that's what it was. Oh. I know in I know in Latin the the a e diphthong is pronounced e, like a long e. Oh, well, I'd have to look up the specific derivation. Well, but well, well, hold on. So let me continue with this. So really I mean, and and the other thing, the other repeated phrase is like looked into is like lavender orbs. You know, his uh, <laughs> his his eyes, his lavender eyes. But here's the thing. One of the reasons I wanted to pick him, you know, and thinking about it in hindsight, I don't know if people who who know the Dungeons and Dragons books or Dungeons and Dragons fans, if they would, plenty would 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 pick him, but but there might be some people who might be like mad about it. They think that someone from Dragonlance is more important, or someone from Forgotten Realms. Um, I think Arya Salvatore might have some of those successful books out of any of these people, so maybe it, it's a little different. Um, and some people, you know, uh, would go to Drizzt, but still, you know, like, is he the Dungeons and Dragons, uh, icon or character? You know, why do you choose that? One of the reasons I wanted to do it is that even though I like some of Ari Salvatore's writing, but a lot of it's kind of, eh, you know, like, it's just not such great writing. Well, it's just some cool, some cool stuff happens. Sure, sure. No matter what, I, I really like Drizzt as a character. Like, I, I really like him. He the, he's cool. Like yeah. he's a he's a badass character. And what's interesting about him is that he comes from this. Not just that he comes from this evil place and is good or whatever, um, which is cool. It's cool. He has to develop his own code and all that stuff, and that he does think differently. But at the same time, it's also like he's very like he's an outcast. I mean, that you know, he's 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 really an outcast. 
from his society's outcast everywhere. So he's kind of this like like he he is kind of this goth character in a certain sense. Like nobody accepts me, though he doesn't really complain about <laughs> it a ton. He doesn't really complain about it a ton, but it's interesting because you know the people who know him, the people who like really decide to know him are like, oh, this guy's legit. Like he's really he's like the true meaning of like someone honorable or whatever. Like he's 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 the real deal. But the thing is, he's he's almost always an outcast wherever he goes. He doesn't really. I, I see. I don't know how far ahead it with, with some of the books. What's happened with him? But he doesn't like frequently like lead whole armies behind him or anything no, like well, that. He, or even he, or even lead people. He's not even necessarily the leader. He's just. But everyone everyone respects his opinion. Well, but, it started yeah. with a lot of like you know talking about you know the way you look versus the way you are and right, you right, know right. and it's actually I think part of what was interesting about it in how it started was this idea about taking. Essentially, it was a monster, a monster in the in the world, and turning it into a real legitimate character. I mean, if you start from like the original books he had, I mean, yeah, yeah, you got your you know dwarf and your human and whatever, but a dark elf, well, that's the evil one, right? So that doesn't right, make any right, sense. right, right. Yeah, that that actually was that was something that was interesting about them. Yeah, but think, yeah, and, and that is kind reason, of unconventional. I mean, it, I mean, now, well, it does. It seems cliche now, but. Right, for right. for Dungeons and Dragons, where like you know nobody would pick an evil character, I don't think you even can pick an evil character and play Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like it doesn't really make sense. Well, you can, but I mean, it's all sort of like how it's being run. I mean, evil is sort of like a weird thing to do because it's you would hope that you're not evil yourself. It's a very different type of storytelling. Normally, the heroes of stories aren't evil. Yeah, it's a much it's a weird way to to play a character. Right. Yeah, because like, but... Driz does have kind of some of those evil tendencies in him still. Like, I mean, he still oh. is fine being a savage killer. Like, he's, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that's his outlet. He needs to get it out. It's kind of like 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 that's part think, of how he operates. I don't operates. think it's a particular Driz characteristic. I think that's just like an R. A. Salvatore thing. Right, like his right. okay. his Fair his enough. characters kill lots of people. <laughs> lots of people, and but they're they're bad ways. guys, so it's okay. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but. I, one of the things I think is interesting about Salvatore is his rise and fall and rise of writing quality. Like how he's gone, he started at a really, like, okay. He had yeah, some interesting I... ideas. And then he got really good with the Dark Elf trilogy. And he got some really interesting yeah. things getting into, like, the Wolfgar's head. And he had some kind of bland stuff. And now some of his more recent ones, like, where he's basically kind of post-apocalyptic stuff. And it's kind of interesting in what he's dealing with. Like, he's really trying to push his characters in weird directions. That's and cool. I like that. I like that he's trying stuff. You know, yeah, it's he's, interesting. He's, he's, not, he's, not incom- he's not an incompetent writer. I mean, he really has his moments. And, and I think you do get the sense that he, that he, that he tries. So that, that is, you're, you're right, Jeremy. It's kind of like what you were talking about last po- podcast in a, in a weird way. Um, about Roland Emmerich versus Michael Bay, you said like you kind of respected Roland Emmerich more because you felt like at least Roland Emmerich felt really wanted to entertain, once entertain and, and give something out. I don't think Ari Salvatore is, is as shitty in writing as Roland Emmerich is in in filmmaking, you know, in a lot of ways. But I still think that that Ari Salvatore, like he he does want to entertain, does seem like he cares about the audience too. Also, you know I what I mean? Another thing to keep in mind is there's this kind of idea about an author that's just sort of pumping stuff out. And when you do that, eventually you just start repeating yourself. You start making yeah. shortcuts. You start having some comic. You know, it's it's like a comic book. I mean, it's exactly what it's like. That's why sometimes he had like interesting things. Like for example, there was one particular storyline, which was all about essentially how 
the orcs, which were always just sort of these, like, they were always evil. But they're basically, a, like, a really charismatic leader came in and basically wanted to change the orc kingdom that he had into just like anyone else. We'll just be a, well, like, you know how the, the dwarves and humans and elves, you know, sometimes they don't get along, but essentially they're all living in their own countries. That's what I want to do. And it was sort of weirdly radical, and also because all like the other characters in the book couldn't accept that kind of idea from an orc. It it just right. seemed like it was ridiculous, and I liked right. it. There were things that didn't quite work about the yeah. way he wrote it, but I thought like that's what I'm saying. I was like, I feel like it was one of these things where he had to write too many books for the idea, and I think it could have been better served in a smaller book. But I think yeah, it, yeah. it's relevant also for me as a personal thing because it was one of the first fantasy books I read, really. If you're really going back, I mean, sure, I read The Hobbit back really? in the day. But yeah, I mean, when I was younger Dris- going to the library and you know, borrowing oh. books. Oh, know. I guess, I, yeah, because I, I don't think I remember you really reading it because you always went through books really quickly, especially a book like that. So I don't really remember you. What, what was the first one called? The Crystal Shard? Was that the first one? Yeah, although that wasn't even the first one I could get because it wasn't in order at the library. Oh. So, so what was the first one? What was the first one you 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 read? It was called the Halfling's Gem. It was the the second one third, in that series. Actually, third? I know, which is crazy. What was the second? What was the second one? That's right. Like no, I actually I remember silver. that because yeah, um, exactly. I, I know exactly what library you're talking about. And yes, the Halfling's Gem was there, and the books, the earlier books in the trilogy were not there. So you had to read them out okay. of order. So no, I, no, I, but, I, no, but those were the Dark Elf trilogy chron- chronologically earlier, but they were prequels, right? He wrote Crystal Shard first, right? Yes, I'm yes, almost yes. positive. Right, uh, right. Yeah, the, that's exactly right. So for me, it just became an interesting thing to start reading. And eventually, you know, when I could actually you know, buy them in order, I could just you know, read them whole things. That's how I got into it. I mean, I remember, Jeremy, I asked you, and you actually said read Homeland first. There's a chronological stuff, and it worked. Oh, I think you it know? does work better that way. It's just yeah. interesting. Obviously, it wasn't quite my experience, but it's what I would recommend to people to read Homeland. Yeah, there are definitely some books you don't need to read. But the truth is, there's some really interesting things that he did, and I still think they hold up. Some things don't hold up, and what I would love to see is like, like a a remastered version of a lot of the books where he kind of cuts out a lot of unnecessary things. Put yeah. Together. Same thing for his uh, cleric series, where there's some really great stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Also, cleric quintet was pretty interesting. This is like cat- stuff Catterley- too. Catterley was kind of interesting character, and like, and definitely, I think I think Claire Quintet. A lot, a lot of people know about it, but it's it's a, it had some really solid stuff uh, on it. So anyway, um, but we should we, we should move on. Yeah, so let's go um, to our sci-fi guys. I, I mean, well, just to sum up, I think it's it's obvious that R.A. Salvatore, you okay. know, he's a pretty good author, but he's no Troy Denning. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy thing to say! All right. Um, <laughs> Wait, what, what was what was Driss' father's name? Zenzibar or whatever. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Zenzibar, you mean like Zanzibar? I know, I know, I know. Well, there was Mendenbar from from the Enchanted Forest series. But, uh, that's true, and that was that. Actually, I did read that one pretty young. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um... anyway, we now now that we've spent all our time talking about fantasy, oh and we have no time to talk about anything else. Let's let's let's, let's, uh, let's, talk, let's let's talk about it. Very on. obviously, Darth Vader should be in there for the sci-fi stuff, Star Wars. Just the thing you got to put in there. I was like, we got to do that. Oh well, um, hold on. But actually, before I get that, let me just quickly say the father's name was Zach Nathan. But uh, okay, Zach. good. I knew it was a Z. The thing about the Star Wars is actually the parallel here. The parallel is sort of to Lord of the Rings, also for us. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Because none of us are huge Lord of the Rings nerds. Although Sam gets farther. And, and I'm, I'm more of a nerd for the movies, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, and you're more of a nerd for the, for the movies for, than I am for any of it. Right, right. Whereas with like Star Wars, I like the series, and I like sort of the, the, you know, the thinking about the world, but I haven't really read any of the books. And other than some novelizations of the movies, but I'm yeah, really you haven't read the um you've read the some of the expanded books, Star Wars universe yeah. novels. Jeremy, I, I remember you talked about this on another podcast, but I remember there being books of Star Wars like Luke Skywalker or, or someone. I had I one book, no, I'm Young Jedi and all of that, and I did not like it. I tried reading it, and I just the I, clone I like invasion or something. I don't remember that one. Was, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the original. The prequel stuff. The no, 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 not the prequel stuff. There was before before the prequels ever existed. There All were right. there was about that took place well, after the original Star Wars stuff. That was about clone armies and stuff. I had a friend who basically recommended this like what they called Old Republic sto- trilogy, which was about like the the guy who invented the new way of doing the Sith stuff, and it was actually pretty good. So. I like that, but it's just one of those things that maybe if I actually were to try reading some of those books now, I would. But just never, I never really got into. No, that. you wouldn't like them now. But I it's, will say, it's too late. <laughs> your <laughs> your tastes have matured to the point that like there's no way that you could you could enjoy these books. Well, I think there are parallels of Star Wars to Lord of the Rings in that they're hugely popular and hugely influential. Even if, of course, Star Wars itself is also stealing from things. Like Samurai and Kurosawa and yeah, yeah, but but they, they but Star Carter. Wars managed to be its own Star Wars managed to be its own universe though. I mean, once yeah. again, you can make the same complaint about Lord of the Rings in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. I mean, it's a synthesis. I think it's an effective synthesis of different mythologies and stories and blah blah blah. And I think um, it's it's interesting what you could do with it because I definitely watched it in a weird way. I saw the first movie when I was very young, maybe six or so. I totally did not understand what was happening. I thought that they blew up Earth in the movie. I, like, <laughs> I thought I had like a nightmare once about it. It was just really, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't le- re- think they did it in real life. I just what I thought it was in the movie because yeah. I didn't really understand. I, the fr- I actually saw Return of the Jedi before I saw the other two Star Wars movies, and I had no fucking idea what was going on. I don't know how old how could I was, you? How could but you? Um, I was young and I was just lost. Well, right. you know, you know, right. I saw Empire Strikes Strikes Back first, and then the Return of the Jedi, and then I saw Star Wars afterwards. But it really sucked because, um, uh, I think before I watched it, or or maybe before we finished it, because I remember seeing it as a family family movie. Um, our our mother, <laughs> our mom, like, I guess spoilers. She told me that Darth Vader was Luke's. Uh, oh dad. no! <laughs> I spoiled it for everyone. <laughs> she, t- <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but uh, unfortunately, but, uh, I was too young for it to. Re- I mean, when I saw it, it, I already knew. So it was one of those like it was the same kind of thing for me. It wasn't like it didn't it wasn't as meaningful, and it's kind of a shame. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like that's... kind of what the what the what Ned Stark and the Red Wedding have become for a lot of people, I and that's just an unfortunate reality yeah. that I, some of those things are kind of. Yeah. I think it's easier now, especially when you have nerdier parents, where people like try to hide their kids from finding out mm-hmm. about this stuff, and they'll actually show it to them in the in the order. Yeah, because 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 our 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 mom just just I mean she was just talking to me. It's like oh but oh but <laughs> you know that Darth Vader is actually Luke's father, whatever it was. 
And I wasn't mad, but it just didn't have an impact. Well, how, bigger, how yeah, could you be mad if my, you didn't My parents anything. spoiled that for me also. Yeah, they, yeah. They just kind of... It was, I mean, well, they, isn't that a thing that parents I, just did they, with, with kids who were born in the 80s? care about spoilers. <laughs> I mean, like, when the, when, the Star, when the Star Wars movies were coming out, of course, like, that was a big deal. But, but like, you know... When we were growing up in the in the late '80s, early '90s, or whatever, like people people didn't really think about this concept of spoilers, especially not for like old stuff. Right. Well, yeah, that, it was yeah, just yeah. like, oh, yeah, and uh, Luke Skywalker's father is Darth Vader. You'll see when you watch the movie. It's cool. Yeah. You'll see when you watch the movie. I mean, so it happens. Hey, so it, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Much... Uh, they blow up Alderaan. You'll see when they watch the movie. Oh yeah, so the the, the movie ends and they blow up the Death Star. Oh, you don't know what that means? You'll see when you watch the movie. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well. I mean, the thing is, the the thing is, is that I mean, I, I had more of a connection to the scene, you know, in the end of Return of the Jedi when when Darth Vader is looking between, oh, uh, between be- between the, the yeah, it's one of the most powerful scenes between yeah. like the Emperor yeah. and yeah. Luke, and like I you really feel it. It's really visceral. You the, like feel what he's feeling. The physical acting and the way it was filmed, and the music, were all great, and that's how I know that Lucas isn't just a terrible director. Yeah, purely and simple. It's just that, you know, he just used terrible directing on the prequels essentially because yeah. he didn't direct. He just watched through a monitor and said, "Okay, good." Yeah, yeah. He said, but, "You guys but, walk but, from point A to point B, well, and I'll I mean, sit here and watch you on the green screen." I mean, well, that's on. the thing. That's that's actually that's actually even though even though we were just talking about this with with uh, with Game of Thrones, like really honestly, Darth Vader is pretty much the best person to represent. Star Wars, if you're going to show it. Like, is I anyone do. better? Some yeah. people might choose other people and see, like, oh, that's good. Right. But Darth Vader is, like, it's kind of the same thing as Gollum in a lot of ways. That, In fact, he does get corrupted, but he is kind of complex. First of all, he looks the coolest out of anyone, so there's the aesthetic part of it. You know, but he represents something really interesting. He's a very mysterious character. He still he still is, even though even the prequels, I don't think, took away the mystery of his character. But yeah, also, you know, I agree with that. We, we don't we don't know about like his rise and everything like that, and, and sure, when he was sure. and, and who was he? Like he kind of ran the empire, but he also he, but he didn't exactly. No, so, I mean like, it was interesting because I mean yeah. the truth is if you look at the way the movies were put together, it was not all planned. I mean, yes, by the time the prequels came out, he did have a specific plan in mind, but the yeah. first movie was meant to be standalone. The studios thought it would fail. It did not fail at all, of course, and the fact that Lucas basically paid for it and got all the, like, the, you basically got money off of it that the studios didn't get, and that's what helped him make everything else. He, he made so much money off of that, and he basically asked for the toys. He asked for the rights to the toys, and the studio's like, why the hell do we care about that? Anyway, that is, yeah. a, that is a mistake that no studio has ever made again. No, no, that was it. <laughs> right, right, because he, he made his, <laughs> they learn real quick. Yeah, well, but, I mean, well, I was going to say, like, if you look at the first movies, you know, Darth Vader's really just, he's just the evil guy. But, of but course, once really, they said, I'm going to make a second and third, badass. yeah, then it became, wait a minute, we can do something here. We make, that's why it became right. a redemptive arc for Darth Vader at the same time. So it's, it's sort of the, the two cross arcs point. of, of uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. It's the Luke Skywalker becoming the hero to save the day. And redeeming his father, it's sort of like the two things happening, which is right. why it's interesting. Well, that's that's a good point because it, because in fact, when you watch Star Wars and you think and you like because you kind of assume that he had the story arc all along, but it's kind of clear he didn't. Be, like if you really look at it that way, I didn't think about that because if you look at how Darth Vader talks, he talks about Luke Skywalker. He's just talking about the bad guy trying to get the hero. 
That's the thing. So all right, well, let's yeah. move on to our next sci-fi guy. Let's call him Neo. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, part of it is that is that the Matrix, though it did fuck up on itself, and it kind of deserves, you know, some of the hate it gets. I I don't like it. Just, it does seem like people kind of forget and kind of don't realize unless they really get into it how brilliant the Matrix is. How fucking brilliant the first movie is still one of the greatest movies ever, ever. Like like just in every in so many ways. And then the Animatrix was even though there wasn't exactly Wachowski Brothers except for one. Maybe maybe they had like two films made with it. The Animatrix is a real artistic masterpiece. I really hold that. A couple of them, you know, a couple of them, you know, you, I, I, you could probably leave a couple of those of those uh, movies, but the the Animatrix is is brilliant. I mean, do you guys agree with me about that? Yes. Oh yeah, for but sure. But I think yeah. Also, part of the reason why the Matrix is important, not just to us, but in general to sci-fi, is that it finally opened the door for a for interesting, intelligent storytelling in the sci-fi realm. Oh, once again, that was there in the books. That was there in books, actually, for a long time. There's a long tradition of oh, that. Oh, definitely, but, there were, but know, think about how campy things used to be with all that. I mean, Star Wars was sort of like the pinnacle well, of... Well, Star, well, Star, Wars, Star Wars was the shift. I, Star Wars I was mean, like the Lord of the Rings know. shift. I don't think it was really the Matrix that started that. I think it was, I think it was, um, you know, I mean, all Blade of Runner. the, all the movies that have been made based on like Philip K. Dick books and Blade Runner yeah. was really the first. Yeah, but that was, well, that was in the early 80s and then there was nothing. There was no, well, okay. I mean, you, you guys really both, you guys really both have a point about it. I mean, I mean, there have been interesting things. It's kind of like, it's kind of like just that the Matrix really represented a real good, um, culmination of that to then open up another door. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there were some interesting things going on, but the Matrix was the way of, you know, bridging the gap. So like, you know, you could compare it maybe like, you know, alternative music or indie music or whatever was growing in the eighties, you know, before grunge and grunge was kind of growing anyway. Nirvana was by no means the only grunge band, but Nirvana had that bridge going on that their songs right. were, I agree. People say catchy. You know what I mean? Right. So I think, the I think Matrix the Matrix is like it. Nirvana. In more ways than one. I think you have a very good point. And of course, the image that we have here is also going. It's the apotheosis image. It's the image of Neo realizing that he has control over a system that has rules, but he now knows how to change them. That was actually, isn't that image from the second movie? No. Or is it from the first one? That is from the first one. Trust me, it's from the first movie, and I think that's yeah. very important because yeah, it makes because he has multiple. Mo- the other thing that's cool about the Matrix, he has multiple moments like that, but it keeps getting broken down, and that's the ultimate moment, right? You know what he I mean? Has, that's, that's right. He has the growth. And it's so growth. great. Like they do it so well. They build it up so well. Uh, he keeps he, he so, keeps hitting a level. It's just yeah. like it's is it perfect? I don't know. What the hell is a perfect movie? It's, it's like, not yeah, perfect, it's, it's damn but close. It, it holds up well. I mean, that movie came out, what, like 14 years ago or something? 1999. Yeah. And it's, like, a lot of movies, like, you think, like, wow, this movie's amazing. And then, like, you watch it a few years later, and it just doesn't have the same impact. But The Matrix really holds up. Matrix the, the holds first one. up. It's just, it's, it's just a well-put-together yeah. movie. And it's Everything. Just, but, but, like, it's just, it's just cool. And it has so much And I love, love the villain. I love Agent Smith. Oh yeah, uh, he's. Great. I think he's amazing. He's one of the best 
movie villains. You're right. You're right. Smell. You're right. Hands down. Fantastic. Oh, Hands down. And just because also Hugo Weaving is just the man. Hugo Weaving. He's so good awesome. at it. Like that whole, the way yeah. he talks, you know, this, this whole thing. And it's not, and it's not, it's not, it's not campy. And they, they really do a good job of making it exciting, aesthetically pleasing, um, you know, having a really, having really good acting, having really good story. And then on top of that, having that sort of like metaphysical thing going on without beating you over the head with it. It kind of builds up and it takes you on that whole journey. And it's beautiful. Like right, it's a yeah. gorgeous, everything is just so good. Yeah. You know, even just like, I always love the scenes where like they have the, uh, they, you know, they have like the way they did the cell phones that like, they pick the perfect cell phones for it. But also, like you know, when like yeah. he opens up the Neo, Neo opens up like the package at the beginning of of the story. He gets a package, and it's the yes. cell phone. Yes, it's and it's the a way phone. They, they, and then the phone rings. rings. Oh my like, god, it's so cool! It's, it's awesome. so cool! Like, it's amazing. It is. It is like like the way they like and they, and once again they do this like step by step thing. That's like I'm almost crying right now because of how beautiful <laughs> the matrix. Is. Well, like, okay, so let it, me tell you an interesting little story. Yeah, uh, you remember my old roommate, um, Billfords. <laughs> Billfords had his uh, basically Billfords girlfriend who is his Billfords. Name. That is amazing, Jeremy. <laughs> That's not his real name. It's sanitized. That's like the protection. best name to pick about like a former roommate if you don't want to talk about the former roommate. <laughs> You're like, so Billfords girlfriend, yeah. who is now his wife, had not seen the Matrix or the sequels, and Billford had the Matrix. I had all three because I, you know, whatever. I still like a lot of two and three. If you cut out the Zion parts, is still pretty okay. It's yeah. just that the problem is, is like the Zion parts make like a, it make. What I've said, I've heard somebody say like the in, if you take in the movie three and just have the Zion stuff as like just its own movie having nothing to do with the Matrix and just be about a dystopian future about protecting against machines, it's a decent little action movie. Yeah, but it really is totally inconsistent and. Doesn't right. fit with the rest, which is really the stuff that was strong in the third one was the it was Agent Smith being outside. Ooh, we totally the, agree on that. And yeah, I, we thought that, how, that stuff was cool. And they only had like stakes, two or man. I told you about this. Right, stakes right. would have improved second and third movie tremendously. But we oh, don't yeah. have to get into that because there's oh, a yeah. lot we could talk about. And if we were going to get into Matrix, I'd rather like have a like a podcast just about Matrix stuff. But right, I just okay. want to get into the story because. She hadn't seen it, and he's like, I don't know if I want to see this movie, you know, the nerdy thing. And he's like, oh, no, you should see this movie. Uh, totally. Adrian. Totally, Adrian. This is a movie. So, <laughs> Jeremy's old roommate sounded a lot like Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> he was Sylvester Stallone. Whoops. <laughs> I said too much. Jeremy, you're not supposed to tell him that, that he was, he was hunkering out in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, of course, so, so, I had... They're watching it, so I and I said, "Well, I'm going to watch it. Love this movie." And I hadn't seen it in a little while, so I, we all watched it. And, you know, a lot of silence through it, a couple gasps here and there. And afterward, you know, she was sort of like not saying anything. And he's like, "What did you think?" Now that was really good. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, it's it's and that's the thing because the people talk shit because of the second, and third ones and. They, they, once again, the right. she had heard about they, that. That's what I'm saying. She had heard, yeah. like, oh, why doesn't it get stupid? I mean, I mean, you I mean, I, I, I don't like to do that because I have so much respect for the first one, but the Wachowski brothers, though people overreact a little bit, the Wachowski brothers kind of deserve it with it because they really, they really dropped the ball, you know, in a lot of ways. And it sucks. I know they had a lot of pressure and everything like that, but they, they really dropped the ball. You know, it does suck that the woman who's at Oracle died. I think, I think the real thing is 
They yeah, were, they were just rushed. All right, well, I, let's move on to our final sci-fi guy, and yeah. it's Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Yeah, and I don't think there's any question how important the character in the series is to us. Yeah, by any means, he, he's kind of a Ned Stark of of, of Game of Thrones. You know, in a matter you know. of speaking, it, it has a subversion. I mean, when I first saw that, I mean, I saw Serenity first, and I will tell you, I wasn't expecting that much. That's weird. But yeah, I. I totally dug this movie i was like, i mean it's the way it's a he, good movie he well the way but... he was dealing with things there was one particular scene where basically so where the operative he says listen i'm unarmed and he says good and shoots him and i yeah. was like what the mind blown yeah and then of course he gets up he says of course i am wearing a, a bulletproof vest i'm not an idiot and i was like Movie, you have sold me. Yes. Yeah, because it's the yeah. Joss Whedon switcheroo. But I didn't know anything from Joss Whedon at the time. I was just like, I didn't know anything movie. from Joss Whedon at the time. <laughs> I didn't know anything. So I just. I was, <laughs> from Joss Whedon. So I love the movie. And Two time. <laughs> so I was told, of course, you have to see the series. And so I put it off for a little while. And then eventually I said, All right, I'll watch. I'll watch your Princess Firefly. And then I did. And like then that first pilot episode, you know, the knock. Not the original pilot, but the one they actually aired first, and the one where you know the guy says, "He'll never, you know, he'll keep coming. I'll never tell you nothing." Oh, was that um um the the train robbery? I forget yes. what it's called. Train, train job. job. And uh, he's like, and the guy's like, "You'll never, he'll go, he'll come after you." And it's like, and he's like, "Well, shucks." And then he keeps hold on, on. spoilers. Spoilers. Fine. Spoilers for the first episode of Firefly. <laughs> this is actually the second episode. It's like classified as the second one by now. Yeah, and we don't have to get a history about that. Everyone, everyone considers that to be the second episode. I suppose. And then he kicks him in to the engine turbine. And I thought, that's pretty good. And the next guy says, I'll tell you what you need to know. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's great. And I love I loved the characters. We've talked endlessly before, just even with amongst ourselves, how much of a perfect cast is. I, I, if I oh. were to compare it to casts, the only other cast on TV I think is like as good as probably like news radio in terms of an ensemble that everyone was good and had a um, different thing that they did. Um, yeah. Even though I'm not such a fan of, of this, not that I don't like it, but um, Scrubs has a really good ensemble. Um, uh, but I think I'm, I'm not a huge Scrubs fan, but they, but Scrubs yeah. does have a really good ensemble. True, but there are characters I don't like as much, like the general. I I, I really like Scrubs, although I didn't watch some of the later seasons, but um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't really compare them. I mean, no, I, I agree. I agree, but I'm just saying. Firefly think, just had it. Just had like the perfect cast, and every character was important and contributed meaningfully in almost every episode, and it just it just worked. It worked yeah. amazingly well. That's something that that I think Joss Whedon is very good at is incorporating everyone in his cast and finding their strengths and being able to to tell their stories. Yep, um, yep, you know, and really sure. get great performances out of his actors. I mean, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy and I have watched. Uh, we watched the his commentary to Avengers together, and he talked a lot about that. How does he integrate all these characters together? How does he get them all involved in the story, and also just have these like great um, human moments between them, which uh, you know, which is re- what's really important is is having characters be be relatable and be human. Um, okay. And Joss Whedon is is great at that, and Firefly. Is um, in terms of like the human relationships and stuff, Firefly is is one of his best, if not his best work. 
Yeah, I mean, no, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, some people I don't really know Buffy, and I but I can still accept when people say the people put Buffy up there to Firefly because Buffy is its own thing. But um, uh, and also I, f- I feel like he's gonna c- he's gonna come out with other great stuff. I mean, the Avengers moving in that direction. I, I think he will still too, especially because he's gaining clout. But um, I th- I think one of the things and we've kind of avoided talking a lot about Firefly in a <laughs> in the podcast because we know we'll all go off on tangents. But one thing that's interesting about it, I was just thinking, is like if I could sum it up, like it is, it is an addiction in a certain sense. Not that I watch it all the time, but it has the feeling of just like such ultimate like satisfaction. You know, like he he hits everything because you know the the way his things work out. There's still plenty of Deus Ex Machina. There's still plenty of campiness, but it's just it's so smooth. You know, it's it, in it, but it, but not a smooth way that you feel cheapened by. It. You feel enriched by it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, like he, you, you get something from it, even though it's so smooth. And I think that's, that's one of the geniuses, uh, of, of Firefly. So, and you know, Mal, Mal definitely is like the central thing going on. You know, if we were going to put Mad Men up there, cause I thought about that today, we put Donald Draper, you know, up there. So it's, 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 it's the same thing. Maybe you could put River up on there and, you know, for a fan favorite, you, a lot of people love Jane a lot. You could put Jane up there but as the icon, but I just think Malcolm no. is more. I think, and yeah, well, well, he's yeah. he's sort of like the iconic character. I think one of the things that's that's amazing about Firefly, even though it was only 14 episodes, is that every single episode, even the weaker episodes, have classic moments and classic lines that the fans remember and will quote endlessly. Like, there's yeah. not not a single one of those episodes is, you know, is just like filler or is like empty of, of like, yeah. you know, those those like memorable moments and, and, yeah. and just like just... Just the great scenes and stuff. No Sam, you, you, Sam, Sam, you, you said it. You said it once, which I, which I think is true. You said that not all of the episodes are are on the same quality or are amazing, but you said that there are a number of episodes that are just really, really, really fantastic. Yeah, that are just so amazing yeah. that you're like, yeah. what? Like, like what was space, that? For example, what in space? Objects, Objects in space. Is, is, is that was that the last one, or was that the? Um, or is that the one where, like, where the... Where, oh, no, that's Out of Gas. That yes. one was on that one, too. Out of Gas oh, was Out of Gas is a great episode. Unbelievably I mean, good. My, my absolute favorite one is, um... Uh, uh, what's it called? What's the one where they, they, they rob the medical supplies from the hospital? Ariel? Ariel, yeah. I think that's my favorite one. That one's so amazing. I mean, I mean that's, that, that, that's so good. And then the... And, I always, I always was kind of partial, even though I don't know if I always pick it as my episode I'm going to watch first. The last one was just so great about how creepy and um, amazing that, that they, how well they did that, that bounty hunter, you know, that whole thing. Like he just, he just like, he just like really, he set a completely different tone for the show actually with that whole thing because they were at the mercy of like this, this crazy dude, you know, you didn't even think about it. And it it was startling. Like he was a startling character how he showed up. You didn't expect him from anything, and he looked startling. He looked, he looked crazy and cold and dark. And that's the thing you forget. Oh fuck! There are other things to worry about out here in space. It's not just even just the Reaver thing, or it's not just. I think it was, the alliance. What was this... what was cool about him is that he had there was so much of, of a threat. Like yes. he, there was so much menace from him, like well, more so like than that, like... than almost any villain. Yeah, but I don't want to get yeah. into real spoilers here. So I think we should yeah. just move on. Yeah. And. Let's talk about. All right. I, before we move on from the uh, from the um, the sci-fi stuff, I just want to point out 
that uh, and I was not involved in picking these pictures. That was all Jeremy and Benji. Um, so I, I noticed that one well, thing that's not we had on you there. In mind. Huh? We had you in mind. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's not on there is Star Trek. Right. I I thought about that. And and of course, Star Trek is like a you know classic sci-fi thing, and we've all watched tons of Star yeah. Trek, and we even made fun of Star Trek. Uh, I mean, on several podcasts, we've talked about Star Trek, and we all like but, Star and, Trek. And we all, of course, Star Trek. of course, yeah. we do. But I think it's also about what we think represents what is going on here, because right. the problem is, is like, for example, you know, I could wax rhapsodic about you know a lot of Deep Space Nine and. You know, I have all these stupid Star Trek books. And it's there, but the truth is, Star Wars had an earlier impact on me. And The Matrix and Firefly had more relevant ones. Mm-hmm. That's just how it was for me. Yep. I'm sure yeah. for other people, it was different. But I, I totally... I think we can all... Uh, sorry to interrupt. I, I, I think all three of us can agree and we can accept that Star Trek is like a legitimate thing to be into like we all respect it you know we all we all like a bunch of parts in it and we all understand why people get into it and it's 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 a legitimate thing like they they really star trek is it's it's kind of like star wars or lord of the rings in that it's a nerdy thing that has become so mainstream popular that you can be into it and not be nerdy and and still nerds can be nerds in it and also be legitimate fucking nerds. Oh, oh, oh by yeah. for sure. Yeah. Of course. Like, I mean, they, they kind of set the sure. tone <laughs> or like for, for a lot of nerds. Exclusionary you know? nerds. For example, I'm not really such a fan of the original series, the, the, your Kirks and such. And right. therefore, these new movies I found fun, but I don't particularly care about the characters. And I haven't seen very many of the original movies. So it's just one of those like, okay, I'll appreciate them for what I know them as. Yeah, I I cared a lot more about the next generation and Deep Space Nine stuff. Yeah, but anyway, let's move on. 